The following podcast is an audio version of a live show that takes place daily on Crowdcast. To join our live audience, visit our Crowdcast website at crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. That's crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. We're not allowed to have fun anymore. So who of fun, let's at least not be bored. Come on, pre-chorus, it's time to get Um, how is these getting then? It was fun. It was brutal. I was terrible at it. How long Wait, are really? the blades on the skates? Yeah, What's that? I know that too. How long are the blades on those skates? Like really longer. long. Okay, so it's like a mini ski kind of then, right? Well, um, it's uh, uh, um, it's about a foot and a half long. So it's, it's like pretty long. one and a half times as long as a figure skating blade. Um, but that then there's like long track blades are longer than short track blades. I um, the difference. So short track is skated in a uh, hockey rink. Okay. Um, and the blades have to be a little shorter because you're turning a lot more. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, uh, hold on, I made a I made a mistake. I'm changing something. Hold on. Multi streams. Wait, yeah. what do you have to say? Um, Super baby. Yeah. Uh, hopefully. Uh, do you have a lot to say? <gasps> I don't do that all day. Yeah. <laughs> You're remarkably good at that, GDF. Uh, um, hold on. Let me see if I've successfully edited them all. Come on, Dave. What once you've started the domestic uh, crowdcast, you can't really change the. Uh, uh, we may just I can't. have we made. All right, so we we just won't be on YouTube today. We, we'll. Yeah. We'll just, okay. We'll just upload it later. Yeah. Hi everyone. We're live. <laughs> it is Friday, February eighteenth, twenty twenty two, five oh four p.m. Eastern time. It is. 4.04 p.m. Minneapolis time. And we have a special guest, Super Baby. Um, he is full of <laughs> enthusiasm for cheese. Oh, I should get my cheese. Um, and uh, Ben was telling us about the distinctions in speed skating and the length of, give me a for instance on the size of like in, in Super Baby length, how long are the skis, are the are the blades on the speed skates? Well, they're not as long as Super Baby, but I'd say like a a speed a, a long track blade is probably about twice as long as your foot. So it's you know a, a figure skating blade is like roughly the same length as your foot, and the long track blade is is longer on both ends. It's also yeah. Uh, uh, it, yeah, 
So that's your like foot. That. That's, <laughs> that's correct, Kate. That's, uh, that's roughly what your foot looks like. So two of those. You're yeah, telling. two of those. I'm not going to stack them on top of each other and show you because I will fall down. <laughs> yeah. Here's Super Baby's foot. Oh, my God. That's not how long a speed skate Baby toes. Well, he can't walk yet. So, um, so if you can't walk, you can't really speed skate. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Wait, is that actually true? I bet you could try. I don't think it would end well for you. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so you were bad at it? Um, I, I was bad at it. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, I have done it before, but I've never uh, skated on long track blades before, and it is wickedly hard. Um, and I was surprised at how terrible I was at it. Uh, I was humbled and, um, and it was one degree outside when I did it. So, um, how many other uh, people were on the track? Sorry, I'm asking so many questions. I'm just like fascinated at this idea. There are probably about 20 people on the track altogether. Um, but like, and, did you knock into each other by accident then? No, cause first of all, the track is 400 meters long. Okay. Um, that it, it's, it's like a, a, you know, it's like a track and field oval. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite large. And secondly, there are rules about who goes where okay, um, so that you don't have collisions. And people are really respectful. Like it's... It's like, dangerous. Well, the people who are going fast are going really fast. I mean, like if you're, you can... The highest speeds on a long track are upwards of 40 miles an hour. And, you know, and you get these young kids uh, uh, that are really good. And they, you know, they're moving at the speed of a fast bicycle. Um, and then there are, you know, old geezers like me. And so, you know, everybody, there's a, and oh, and they can't very well that's the other thing you know it's the the blades are that long so that you can go fast but you're not nimble and so you kind of have to have rules to keep people out of each other's way but it's a lovely it's a lovely group of people and it was uh fun to fun to be humbled by them did you take the train to minneapolis i did not i flew that's what i thought i'm i'm now that i'm teaching again i'm flying again um, how has that been, by the way? That not the teaching, the flying. Have you? I feel like it's like been fine, you know. Yeah, I kind of feel like it's much more, yeah. Uh, despite it, all of the crazy stories, is it better because there's less like people in the airport? There, there are very few people, there are no lines for anything. Um, I wish I had a very more. different, I had a very different experience. Really? Yeah. I want to hear. It was nice. Like, it's been fine. You know, the flights, a lot of flights are delayed, but so what? All of my flights were booked 100%. They were oversold. Uh, I got on my flight home from Colorado, and granted, I was going to Colorado, so kind of like a hot destination in February. But, like, that flight, they were taking, they were giving away $2,000 vouchers to try to get people to bump their seats. Um and I hate it when they oversell a flight. I think that is like one of the worst business practices. I agree. It's a, it's a real 
it's a real jerk move. But yeah, um, the thing that I think I told Ben when Tom Wheeler was on that I was like, oh, this is much better, which was like, there was just no booze on any of the flights. And like everyone was much better behaved, I feel like. Um, so, you know, that was, that was kind of actually like a very, that was like a good part of it. I cannot believe, how old is this baby? This baby is 10 and a half months. Oh, wow. Coming but up he, on one year, huh? He did just wake up from his nap, though. He's just and in so a very he, chill state. He's in a very chill state. Um, did you have, did you he, just wake up from your nap? Nope. He played, <laughs> he played hard this morning and, and then had a nap and now he's just, just wants to cuddle. So. Is Super Baby mobile yet? I'm just asking for um, anecdotal data at this point because I'm just Super curious. Baby is uh, not ambulatory yet, okay. but he gets around. Okay. Is he doing um, the worm? Because that's like my favorite thing when Michael. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. He he squirms and he <laughs> and he cruises. You know, the holding on to things and moving around them. He's. If you don't keep an eye on him, he'll, you know, dive down a flight of stairs or something. Yeah, little suicide machines, these guys. Like, I feel like. <laughs> Which is why I'm drinking. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, uh, I, there was, uh, our good, our good friends came and visited us. I think probably are like a slightly older version. Their kid was like one and a half and they came and visited us in Cape Cod and he had just started kind of walking. And not only was he walking, but he had gotten to this thing where he could manage one step, like about like three or oh. four inches up. And so he was now trying to like, of course, not being able to discern like that distance reliably was trying like six or eight inches up like a step and it was just kind of like this constant like threat of him just throwing himself off of things or downstairs or like whatever and um it was a very exhausting time to be like they were wiped out it was like near constant levels of like baby watching um because it was like yeah anyway i hear luke Yes, he's watching me. He's he's like, she's not doing anything that I want her to do at the moment. So I don't know if I'm happy. <laughs> I'm doing hobby time, which is me putting this into something more organized. Um, it's, it's not it's not going very well. So what are we going to so we should plan the show? Well, actually, let's talk about what the show is planned for the next yeah, two weeks. We have a bunch of non-cheese night stuff. I know. So what do we um, have? We have Tim Miller for our 600th episode. Um, yeah, I'm not going to be there. So that's, um, it'll be you and Scott. Um, and so that kind of works out. And then you have Dania Ruttenberg on Wednesday. Yes, in response to requests for an episode on the history of anti-Semitism, uh, uh, Rabbi Danya Ruttenberg, who uh, has tweeted a fair bit on the subject and is uh, a pretty neat person, uh, is going to come on. Cool. And then uh, what do we have for Friday? Constance. Ah, this, this was at the suggestion of President Ilvis. Oh. Uh, who suggests, like suggestion. 
Yeah, he suggested that we do a WTF German foreign policy uh, yeah. uh, show with uh, Constanza, my Brookings colleague. So uh, we are going to uh, do that uh, on next Friday. Um, I think on Monday the 28th, we have Nate Lubin, who is the author as a former um, Obama person and was like, I, I'm like butchering his, um, his titles, but he has been doing, he's been out and about around tech policy and um, democratic politics for a while and just wrote a great piece in the Atlantic with two other co-authors. He's going to be coming about Facebook. Um, and let me pull it up real quick. Um, uh, da, 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 da. Um, yeah, this was, it was, this was, I liked this piece a lot. It was, um, Facebook has a super user supremacy problem. And um, it was kind of about the way in which the sites are beholden to the super users. Um, uh, and, uh, I thought it was a great piece. And so he's coming on, on Monday to talk about that. We have Amanda Tyler, um, Berkeley law professor, um, who is a habeas corpus expert. Um, but that is not why she's coming on the show. Um, she is, uh, uh, also an LBG, uh, clerk and she wrote, um, a co-authored a book with Ruth Bader Ginsburg called um, Just, Just Justice Thou Shalt Pursue um, that was all about kind of um, uh, RBG's legacy and what she'd kind of done. Hi, babies. Wow. Oh, hi, Luke. I feel a smile. Yeah. yeah. Um, he looks different now. He's got, yeah, he's, he's, he's rounding out. He is yes. rounding out. Hi, buddy. Say hi. Oh, you see, boy. you see, super baby. <laughs> yeah, look, super baby is like what? Someone's stealing my thunder. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Amanda Tyler's coming on on Wednesday, March second, to talk about justice, justice thou shalt pursue. Uh, and um, then we have who do we have on the fourth? We have oh. Lila Shapiro, who is an old friend of mine, um, and uh, and we have not been able to get Josh Joss Whedon on, um, but Lila just wrote a cover story for. Um, she is like one of the people who introduced me to the Buffyverse, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer universe, um, and Joss Whedon when I was in my early twenties, and she um, just wrote a cover story for New York Magazine on um on joss whedon and his controversy um mm. called interview with a vampire which i thought was quite good um and she's coming on next friday to talk um to talk to us about it that's wow like, we, a lot of we should get we should get michaela fogel to join that episode because uh as as uh the only person i know who is as buffy obsessed as you are yeah um Nabia is pretty Buffy obsessed. Um, I am very, very Buffy obsessed. I've obviously like indoctrinated. Uh, I've indoctrinated um, Paula 
and uh, to uh, yeah, there Paula's in the chat being like angel. <laughs> um, where is Nina? Nina, Nina's like lying prostrate on the floor having a nap. Um, I'll grab her in a second. But uh, she, but like anyway, so that will be really fun. And then this is all kind of wasn't there someone we were supposed to have on to talk about the Alabama decision too? Uh, we talked about doing that, but I think we never we never actually managed to schedule it. Um, but it sounds like we're booked for the next couple few weeks. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's. Uh, why don't we um, bring in audience members with or without babies or dogs uh, to uh, raise issues and and uh, uh, talk Is about things. Yeah, well, in, in case you have a question for Luke or Super Baby or Nina, um, Nina will have trouble hearing the question. Um, well, I mean, you told me already Super Baby can't hear us. Super Baby can't hear, neither can Luke, because um, they don't have headphones on. Yeah. And they don't, they don't really speak anyway. So they're kind of not so differently situated from Nina in this regard. Yeah, I know. This is what I'm saying also completely helpless <laughs> like almost everything in there nina is on stairs uh, nina's a so. pacifist compared to luke though luke's just like an arbiter of chaos <laughs> yeah luke's like pay attention to me yeah this is like not hi michael please go ahead and ask benjamin your question so i was wondering ben how many dog shirts do you recommend someone bring on a trip since you're Wait, flying more michael, often now? are you wearing an emu shirt. Are you wearing an emu shirt? I thought I should dress up for the show. So okay. So first of all, I just want to say this: this is the standard that we expect the members of the Greek chorus to uh, to not just have dog shirts, but to match me dog shirt for dog shirt on the show. And I I just think uh, Ben, show them your shirt. Lift up Super Baby to the side. You are wearing the exact same shirt as Michael. Michael, did you know yeah. that? Did you go and run and put it on? Well, this is the only one I Be have honest. so far. You've so had it I, already? Yeah, I've had this one, yeah. Yeah, I think this is, uh, it sets a new standard for, for guest etiquette, for being a part of the great chorus. And I think, uh, I just want to commend you for, for that. I think that's, Really, um, look, I mean, my view is, I first of all, when somebody sends me a dog shirt, and uh, both uh, Genevieve and uh, Paula can verify this, I wear the dog shirts that people uh, send me or tell me to buy, uh, just as a matter of course. Uh, only deal with people who don't abuse that privilege, of course, although Paula uh, kind of abused that privilege. Um, <laughs> but... Um, so that's rule number one. Secondly, you need enough dog shirts so that there's always a clean one um, because you never know when you're going to, like, not do the laundry for two weeks or something, and you just need enough. And third, uh, the third rule is you need enough so that it's going to keep the world guessing because, you know, if you, uh, if you show up and you're always wearing the same for shirts, then people are going to get bored. 
And so, and then you need enough non-dog dog shirts, like the emu shirt and the corn on the cob shirt, that um, you know every now and then you can throw a curveball to people. I think those are the rules. Michael, how many dog shirts do you have? Well, I only have one so far, but I'm I'm working. The on emo it. shirt. Yeah, this is the only one. I need to get at yeah. other dog shirts. That's one of my goals. This yeah. Spring, I think I like that goal. It's important, yeah. It's a good goal. I that or a dissertation, yeah. I think if enough people just start doing it, like if all members of the Greek chorus who aren't opposed to dog shirts just start wearing them a lot, we can start a fashion trend. You think that's how fashion trends start? I know it. Okay. <laughs> when we see it on the runway in Paris, we'll know it started here first. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Michael. That was a great question. Also, I'm just like, I'm just thrilled that you're wearing the exact same emo shirt and that, but did, my, Ben, did you plan this? Yes, uh, we planned it. We exchanged uh, detailed memos. Um, uh, yes, it was completely planned. Oh my God. I feel very, I felt like that was spontaneous and now I feel cheated. Um, no, it was not right. planned. I know. Um, uh, let's see. What an excellent question that was. Okay, Why is Ann Kornhauser sad? Why is Ann sad? She says in the, in the chat that she's sad and, and I just want to know why. Now she says she's happy. Oh. <laughs> Um, uh, Tom McGuckin has a bunch of questions. Um, let's see if Tom will come on. I like the, I, my favorite part about the baby dog combo is the lack of eye contact with the screen with all of them. Like all of them are just like, <laughs> like, <laughs> um, <laughs> they I, found things in real life are more interesting than the box for now. Then, yes, than <laughs> our imaginary television show. Um, there is, um, oh, hi, buddy. Um, uh, Super Baby likes you, Ben. He's like super comfy with you. We're good friends. Yes, I can see that. He looks so much like Alan. It's like insane. Look at that. Oh, <laughs> um, okay. I invited Tom on, but he's not showing up yet. Bite Paula on. She's probably going to be a green rectangle. Um, this will be a good question though. Um, what are you looking at, baby? Yeah. Looking at Luke. I know. Paula, you're a green rectangle again. Yeah. I, it's because I have been wearing glasses and I can't see the screen without them. I mean, I can show you what I look like with glasses, but it's like they're really old and bad glasses. You so are, the, are you literally like kind of, what is it, like 1952? Oh. Guys don't make passes and girls who wear glasses. Like, come on. <laughs> okay, like, okay. what are you Love even, the reference. Like, talking about? 
They're big, okay? I'll, I'll show you. Uh, That's on, in. That is in. They're, they're not as big as my glasses. They're about big glasses. They're that cool. is so in. What are you talking about? Yeah. They're like really old. <laughs> These are also my glasses. So you've been a green rectangle on purpose? Because you don't want us to show us your glasses? I don't like them at all. I don't wear glasses, but I haven't gotten my new contacts yet. So, like... Wait, dude. All this time that you've been a green I, rectangle, it hasn't been because of tech glasses. problems? It's been because you're wearing glasses? I don't, I, I don't believe in shaming, Paula, but you're, you're pushing it here. <laughs> nut job what are you doing like i like wear these glasses every day i look absolutely ridiculous i look like a clown and that is the part of glasses if ben can wear dog shirts you're afraid of your glasses for the i would rather on. wear i would rather wear a dog shirt than wear glasses well i that would that is incorrect how bad is your prescription then it can't be that bad I would just like to point out that Super Baby likes to play with my glasses. And uh, it's a fun game. He tries to grab the glasses and I evade. And you can't do that if you don't have glasses. And if you're just a green rectangle, boop, you can't do that either. <laughs> Fine, I will not be a green rectangle anymore. But hopefully I get my contacts in the mail. I'll tell you there are two things. Um, one is that contacts are annoying and take time, and two, the glasses are in right now. I knew a guy in law school that, like, suddenly started wearing glasses, and I was like, oh, did you have contacts, and you got, like, cool new were glasses? They and he was Yes, they were 100% fake. He was, like, legitimately just thought they made him look more studious and smart, and he had started, and I just, that I teased mercilessly. That was just, like, pure like stupidity i was like you're an idiot like don't do my um hi baby hi babies luke is like got like his working on his like third chin over there i know right yeah i love it i love it he really and he still has the great like the faux like the weird hair hawk thing i i won't i won't cut it we've discussed it several times i'm just like i like the sprout i don't want it to go anywhere yeah. See, I call Luke um, spicy meatball, but the problem is, is like, I forget that it's only for Luke. And then I'll be like, I'll see other babies online and go to comment. Oh my God, it's a spicy meatball. And I realize other parents might find that offensive. If I call their children spicy meatballs. I think that it's a very, it's a winsome terminology. I'm like loving the love affair between Ben and Super Baby over there. Like this is just like, it's like melting my little heart with them like nuzzling each other. Um, anyways, uh, Paula, ask your question. Um, we've properly shamed you. Um, so my question is, is like, what's an underrated life skill that you think not enough people have or know about? And this came to me because I was having like pretty bad back pain this past couple of weeks. And I realized like I only knew the mobility things that I knew because I learned them from CrossFit and then weightlifting. And then I realized like a lot of people don't even know what that stuff is. And like, it's been the best tool I've had for like, you know, minimizing my own like pain that I have from all my injuries. 
But then I, I realized like that's an underrated life skill, like being able to treat your own pain. And I want to know what underrated life skills. It could be anything. Some of us just buy a bottle of ibuprofen. But that sure. too. <laughs> I got I got one. The most underrated life skill is listening. People do not listen anymore. You assume they ever did. Um, underrated life skill. Um, well, I am in a house right now with two people who can really cook. And I just want to say that cooking really well is an underrated life skill. Ben has cooking, talked about like, like cooking skills so much that I am tempted to believe that you made this entire trip to Minneapolis. The entire like speed skating thing was a complete canard. You're really there so that Alan will cook you some dinner and you get to cuddle super baby while he does it. Well, you're half right. I get to do all those things and go speed skating. Um, yeah, pretty good. Um, underrated life skill. Um, hmm. I would say knowing how to like, I would say actually being not afraid of trying something totally new for the first time and just like going after it. I was this summer, I realized that I had this skill this summer when I was in Montana and I was putting together this lasagna for everybody to cook and I had no lasagna noodles. Um, they live in the middle of nowhere, so there was no way to get lasagna noodles. And I was like, I guess I'll make fresh pasta. I haven't made fresh pasta in like 10 years. I just don't have a pasta maker. It just doesn't. But I was like, oh, I don't even know where a pasta maker is. I bet I can use a rolling pin. I bet like people made pasta with rolling pins before they had pasta makers. And like, I was like, oh, it's actually really convenient to make fresh pasta with like a rolling pin in sheet form if you're making a lasagna. This is actually much in the, anyways, I made this lasagna, I cooked all of this stuff. My friend came in to eat dinner and she was like, oh, do you make fresh pasta a lot? This is like really great. I'm like, nope, it's like first time, like never. And she was like, that's great. Like that is like more people should do that type of thing. I don't know if that's like a hundred percent true, but like, I don't know. Generally having kind of faith in your ability to like reason through things and like, con like contemplate the, the trade-off if you do it, if it all ends up really badly and it just not being that bad is like, so the risk is small. It's like, I don't know, it's a good thing to know how to do. Another under, really genuinely underrated life skill is knowing how to sharpen things. No, that's true. I mean, yeah, like there's engines so many, generally. There are so many things that people don't know how to sharpen that you can just sharpen. That's um, true. And that reminds me of one that I think that I'm totally like deficient in is anything outdoors related, like yeah. being able to know plants or like, I mean, I can navigate pretty foraging. well. Foraging. Like I can navigate a city well. I couldn't, I couldn't navigate. Yes, foraging, anything animal related. 
I see all the time people on Twitter are like, look at this like bird and they can name the bird. I'm like, how do you name birds? Like I see a bird and I know it's a bird. If it's not a bird, it's an airplane. That's not as good <laughs> as I get with identifying things in the sky. And people like know all of these things about the outdoors and I know nothing, like, yeah. absolutely nothing. It is kind of a magical thing to like be with someone who knows what they're doing and they're like, that's edible, that's not edible, that's fine. I think that's pretty cool too. Like there are things that I think are really basic, how to clean a cast iron pan, how to start a fire, how to like, how to, um, I don't know. Um, I don't know. There's just like a lot of, I would just say that there's just like a lot of kind of things that um, I would actually say this is like the things that were so intuitive to me that I could not possibly understand how a person didn't understand how to do them was like a good wave that I like, like ran through a lot of boyfriends um, at like when I was in like my 20s. Like I would, I think when I was in college, I was dating a guy and I was like, okay, we're going to cook dinner, chop up this tomato. And he just like looked at me like he was just like, what does that mean? How do you chop a tomato? And I was like, I don't know. You just chop a tomato here. Like, let me. And he just like never chopped a tomato. Did not know how to chop a tomato. Did not know how to chop like or peel a cucumber. Like didn't know. And that's not even like to Ben's point about like a really good cook. That's just like having. But it's also like, like how do you teach that? Like I, I heard someone my age that like, didn't know how to cook eggs. I'm like, but like, how do you. Like it's kind of intuitive to know how to cook eggs. Like, but this is everything is intuitive, and like once you do it a million times, and like you're just not afraid of it anymore. Which is kind of my point with the trying new things. Like, cooking eggs is super intimidating to a lot of people. They think they can screw it up. There are a lot of people in my life who are cooks that like adhere insanely strictly to like cooking instructions. Like oh, they get a recipe, get and like, okay, where did Ben go? Oh, um, I said Tom McGuckin's not, um, bring them back. Uh, anyway, my point was just that basically, I think that like half of doing any of these things is having the confidence to like dick around with it yourself and figure it out because like, you're not always going to meet someone who will take the time to teach you eggs. And also it turns out there's no one way to do eggs. And so, like, figure out what you're doing and then, like, teach yourself. Um, anyway, that's mine. Yeah. Um, I kind of like that a lot, Kate, because it's, like, you're also not afraid to have a failure moment because you're going to learn from it, which I think so many people are afraid to do because that no one wants to look dumb anymore. It's also, like, admitting that you don't know something, which is such a scary moment for people now I feel like because the internet makes us all experts on everything really quickly or yeah I actually think that where is Ben what is going on um Ben I'm bringing you back I don't know where Ben is um Ben is gone and now he's coming back um okay everyone seems to be very unhappy with my choice of phrasing uh but I mean like okay I said I meant like dink around, like you're just kind of like dink, 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 like figure it out, like do your own research, figure like dink around, like just kind of like, I don't know. This is also like how I feel about tech. Like I feel like so many people are afraid to try 
some type of new technology. And they're like, I'm going to get into some type of screen and I'm not going to be able to get out. And then I'm going to be stuck there and whatever. And I'm like, so what? They build these things for idiots. Like literally everyone can supposed to use this. (laughs) That's how they make money. So hopefully I'm smarter than like any old idiot that buys this and I will be able to figure it out. And the best way to figure it out is to spend like, I don't know, trying to play with it. Anyway, that's like when that's I see mine. older people with like new tech and they just like hold it in their yes. hands. Like, and yes. it's like, just press the buttons and they just look at you with this thing. And you're like, you literally just touched things. And it like, yeah. it doesn't compute yes. to them. Yes. At least yes. with like the tech thing, like you just press stuff and figure it out and like, just play around on the phone and you'll figure it out. And then it'll transfer to the next one that you get. And like, it just, I don't know why that doesn't compute. Um, I'm, everyone is still very up in arms about my phrasing. I will not apologize. <laughs> like, um, far worse things have been said on this show than like, than, than that. Um, where is Ben? Um, and this is, by the way, one of the things that I like the best about Ben Wittes is that we share this very deeply. Like Ben will see something like he like has a slab of wood and is like, well, I guess I'm going to make a table for the Brookings like institution for like with this giant slab of wood. And I guess I'm going to fill in all the pieces with resin. And I guess I'm going to do this whole thing. And he just like figures out how to do it and does it. And like, I don't know. It's just like a fun experiment. Um, anyway. You guys both do that, and you make life so much more interesting for it. Oh, thanks. I think this you made a baby, and you also like made <laughs> roasted red peppers, which I made for my friends the other day because I how'd it go? It went great. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. they're really good. Oh, um, grandma, grandma would have been happy. I know. I was thinking. I was thinking about her. Um, okay. I don't know what's going on. I'm gonna try to refresh. Um, hold on. This might not go well. Paula, hold on the fort. <laughs> I, in fact, did not make a baby. Um, you I didn't. Just say, I just, <laughs> just want to say that Kate was referring to Genevieve, not me. <laughs> I think I, this poor kid, he's going to like wake up one day and just be like, you know what, mom, I'm, I'm scarred. <laughs> yeah. I mean, ugh, Ben is gone again. Um, anyway. Very good question, Paula. Um, Thank you. But um, in answer to your question, the best way to figure out how to identify birds is to like take a picture of them and then look them up on the internet. Or bird Twitter, just post it and be like, what is this? People people know their stuff. <laughs> it's true. Thank you. Yeah. Bird Twitter or ornithology nice glasses, Twitter. Paula. <laughs> um, I just ate a lot of cheese all at once. Ooh, delicious. Okay. I know. Um, okay. Ben, where are you? Hey, you. What are you doing? Don't pull that, please. Oh, dear. Oh, am I not muted? Oops. Sorry. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't get Ben back. This That's is very weird. distressing. Um, Crowdcast. I, I really... It's just hating me right now, I guess. Um, uh, yeah. 
Um, I'm going to try one more time. And um, I wonder if he's calling in from his phone. Um, anyway, we'll see. Um, let's see who else I asked. I also invited on Tom McGuck and he's not able to connect. Crowdcast is ruining everything. I'm not even going to try with Mateo because every time Mateo <laughs> it's a delay. tries to come on, it's delayed. Um, I will, but I will invite Mateo just because maybe this is the mood the gods are in. Um, oh, um, okay. Oh my gosh. Who is that? Wow. <gasps> I'm not Mateo. Tom. No, you're not. Tom. You're Mateo. Nice to see you. Yeah, nice to see you too. I didn't. I, uh, zero it's, confidence this was gonna work. Yeah, me same same. But like I said, the gods have decided to screw with us today. Um, hmm. You take Ben, and, you get me. Um, I'm. You know, you're going as soon as Ben gets here. Just you're you're like be on you're on notice. Uh, but notice. until then, <laughs> go ahead and ask your go ahead and ask your question. Uh, yeah, my question is just a professional academic question, which I guess for. Uh, Kate, you and Ben kind of overlaps. Uh, and it's how do you know when you know enough to oh, write really, or comment on something? I really wish that Ben were here for this. Uh, he would have a great, he has great answers about this. Um, hmm. But I would say um, when you kind of do research around the area and figure out if what you have to comment on has like novelty and is new enough. And the other thing is basically like you stop caring because no one in academia actually is qualified until they write about something. The real proof in the pudding is like being able to show your work and show that like you did all the reading and you did all the work to be able to comment on something. Like mm. you, you cite to the right arguments, you go back and like, you know, it's, it's a lot of being able to like say like so-and-so said this and so-and-so said this and then so-and-so said this and now I'm saying this mm -hmm. given this new kind of frame of things. Um, but like at the end of the day, you can talk yourself out of having expertise in absolutely everything. Um, and mm -hmm. you would never make, and no one would ever make any contributions if they did that. Um, and I would, I'm like sad that Ben is in here because Ben, I don't know, like Ben has just like a tremendous kind of conversation about um, about um, imposter syndrome and kind mm -hmm. of creating your like, you know, creating your own ability to answer questions and um, I don't know, not just answer questions, but your uh, ability to basically have faith in yourself and not feel like you're the imposter in the room because you don't have the degrees or you don't have like the pedigree or you don't have whatever, but instead just kind of trusting that you did the work and trusting eventually like that you're always going to feel like a bit of an imposter, but then like, I don't know, eventually you'll just be playing with those people if you're, if people agree with you. Um, hold on. I know Ben is here. I know Ben is here. I'm trying so hard to bring Ben on. <sighs> um, sorry, and Nina's coughing. Uh... So, Mateo, are you on campus this still, or are I'm off campus. I'm in an apartment okay. in New Haven. Okay. No, no more details. Why do you? Than that. <laughs> why do you? Why do you? Why do you ask, Mateo? 
Uh, just because sometimes I find myself uh, doing writing projects, having things that uh, I'm interested in and doing research and it seems like everything has sort of been said uh, and maybe that's just something you think when you have an idea, you see your idea in other people who aren't really saying the same thing. And yeah, I mean, I was particularly interested to hear yours and Ben's answer to this because I mean, I understand that your field, Kate, was more or less really new when you started writing about it. And Ben um, writes about a subject that most people have three degrees writing about and he doesn't. And yeah, I think it's an interesting thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and I wish that we could bring him on. Okay. I will try to keep trying to bring him on. I don't well. know what's going on. I'm going to refresh again. I'll be right back. Hello, Chorus. How are you all doing today? Hmm. Well, Nope, it's Ben's pro it's Ben. It's the problem with Ben's stuff. Um, okay. Um, Ben, try your phone or something. Um, I'm really sad. I want to hear his answer to Mateo, but to Mateo, I will say that there, there's this like no one think no one wants you to invent like some new field. Like no one want like everyone will tell you that you're everything you're talking about has already been settled. Like it's not like, oh, Kate went into a new thing. Like, no, do you media law people were like this is a hundred year old debate between of media law. There's nothing new here. Uh, this is consumer law. People were like online speech is just a consumer law problem. Uh, first amendment people were like, this is just a first amendment problem. There's no more, more to say. Like it's all about creativity and having kind of something to add from that perspective. I mean, also I found writing an undergrad very, very difficult for like history papers because I felt like I had to say something novel. I didn't want to just like read mm -hmm. everything everyone had already said. Um, but of course, like I just didn't have the, the full kind of scope of knowledge to know what I was wading into for like any particular debate. And I remember that being like that juxtaposition being super hard. Um, and like, I remember in one paper in particular for the, I've mentioned this class before, um, but Gordon Wood's history class that I like redefined some like basic term. Like I just like wrote a new definition for a term. And my TA who is like a PhD student being like, this is nice. Uh, like what makes you think that you can redefine this term for everyone? I was like, I don't know. It's not very well defined. No one has defined it. He was like, oh, I mean, but no one wanted that for a five page term paper. That was like not what I was supposed to be doing. But like, I don't know. But like, if you have that impulse, it's maybe also a great um, moment of knowing that that's like academia is maybe what you're supposed to be doing. Um, let me see. Okay. Mateo. Oh my God. Oh my God. <gasps> Hi. Hello. Um, hello. Baby is still like, um, hi guys. Oh, good. You're back. Good. You're back. I am, I am back, but I had to completely uh, disconnect my headphones and stuff. And so you're going to get uh, wicked feedback if you're talking and I'm not muted. Totally fine. Um, did you want to answer Mateo's question? Sure. Um, so First of all, I think people 
wildly overvalue uh, degrees and undervalue um, uh, a material of explanatory value. Um, and so the answer is, you know if you have something to say, um, if um, you are explaining something that has not adequately been explained before. And um, you don't need a degree to do that. All you really need to do is to uh, figure out who's talked about the issue that you're trying to talk about and figure out how much more there is to say and whether you have something to say beyond which that person said. Um, and, you know, I think there's a... Um, that's actually more in the common sense department than it is in the analytic expertise department, except in those areas where, you know, you're talking about like, you know, stuff that's very rarefied and that the without a hundred years of education, you're not likely to understand. Uh, there are fields like that. There are subfields of our field that are like that, where just the costs of entry to the conversation are extremely high. But there are many fewer of them than people think. And um, there are many more areas where the big question, and this is going to sound, I don't know, either very patronizing or very uh, radically democratic. Um, the big question is whether you've bothered to do the work. Because I, I think that, you know, there are a lot of people who are really qualified in some capital Q sense of the word qualified who aren't going to bother to dig out all the papers from a given case and read them carefully and write it up. And, you know, people who want to uh, have something to say about X and such, you know, court oral argument, but for God's sake, they're not going to actually go. Um, and so what I always found is if you're actually willing to do the work, it's remarkable how much work there is to do. And just people uh, are lazy about it or want to participate in the conversation without doing it. And the easiest way to engage the conversation is to figure out work streams that nobody's doing. And you know that you're ready to write it because no one else has done the work before. You know, and I started this back in the early days of lawfare. Um, I used to go to the Guantanamo oral arguments at the D.C. Circuit. And I would just sit there and write down everything that people said. And then I'd go back to Brookings and write it up. And, you know, there wasn't any risk that somebody else was doing this because nobody else was going, you know. And everybody in the government read these things, you know, and the people who worked in the national security establishment because they were good write-ups of what was going on in court. And so I, I think that, you know, I, I have a, another answer to your question. Oh, no. Oh no, we were just in the middle of like a really good Ben rant. Oh no, Ben, you froze. Refresh, please. I will, I know. Refresh, Ben. 
I meant Ben, not you, Kate. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. Um, oh. um, taking Ben out, bringing him back in. <laughs> it's, you know, we're like, this is such, cl- like, oh, we figure out our tech issues seven minutes from the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, it's very classic in character. and little fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I, I would, this- I would. I would second everything that he's saying. Um, It's great to hear you both talk about this, though, because it is very intimidating. And I feel like one of the things that's been brought up before is like how different areas of expertise have different vernaculars and vocabularies. And that's sometimes like a barrier. But it goes back to, I think, both of what you both are intimating is like just doing the work and really. Yeah, I was just doing I did a workshop today for the the for a paper that I'm writing and oh no um try to get ben again the last um, thing that i heard from him was and i have another answer to your question i know that's exactly <laughs> and i have another answer to your question which is that it's impossible to get imposter syndrome if you actually are an imposter because you know imposter syndrome is the fear of being discovered as an imposter And no one can discover me as an imposter because I shout it from the rooftops. I have no qualifications to do any of the things that I do. And when the Harvard Law School comes to me and asks me to teach a class, the first thing I say to them is, you know, I would never have gotten into this school and I'm not qualified to teach. And so then that relieves you of all the imposter syndrome because you've told them from the beginning. And here's the thing. If you tell them you're an imposter, they won't believe you. And so you get rid of all the imposter syndrome and they don't even believe it. So that's um, my trick to, uh, you know, I learned this actually from Gene Weingarten, the great writer who wrote a long piece about how to get over being a hypochondriac. And it's a wonderful, wonderful article in the Washington Post magazine. And the answer to the how to get over uh, being a hypochondriac was to have a giant uh, scan of his liver that found a giant spot, uh, a dark cloud on his liver. Uh, And uh, I will not uh, tell you the rest of the piece, but being diagnosed with a really serious condition turns out to cure you of hypochondria. And, um, and so I just took that really seriously as a, um, uh, you know, I'm just going to be an imposter and then I will never have imposter syndrome. And it's kind of worked. I love, I love, I love, we, this is one of the first ways that we bonded and I completely feel the same. Um, but I, to, to also underscore the, the point that Ben makes about basically like doing the work. This is the other thing is like, this is the slightly frustrating part about doing the work is sometimes you do the work and it's kind of like rote work, like Ben is describing going, it's like hard, like you have to be there and you have to do it. Sometimes it's like doing so. So I just did this workshop paper today and we get everyone rips apart the entire paper and there was two pages of like I had taken it had taken me two weeks to write the two pages they had basically been trying to create definitions and rigor around why specific what specifically from a like a 
from an expression standpoint and from an economic standpoint was different between Netflix and YouTube and Facebook Live and Facebook and like Twitter and all of these things and trying to kind of classify them and show how these all go into these different categories. And like at the very end of the workshop in which I'm certain that no one has understood or liked any part of that part or even noticed this piece of the thing that took me two weeks to write and figure out someone's like, oh, by the way, this was great. Uh, you put this in and like, I don't know where you came up with or like where you found that. And I'm like, my brain, I found it in my brain. I like, <laughs> I like sat there and noodled it over for like, and sometimes that is the frustrating part of like explaining things to different audiences or across things is that sometimes when you do that type of work, it is like the type of work that Ben describes, which is like you show up. And sometimes it's the type of thing that people are going to look at it and be like, oh, of course it's that way. It's always been that way, hasn't it? Has Great. It? Great. But the deepest work is always like that. When you when you when you rattle the earth, people don't say who's rattling the earth. They say, uh, you know, the earth rattles. Um, and uh, and look, doing the work is sometimes a mechanical matter. And I think when you're a young person, um, like people come to me and they say, "How do you get into this business without going through a hundred years of school?" And I say to them, just do the work. Go find a work. Do it. Not technical either. But Kate's talking about like the work as deep thinking, the work as um, uh, the the work as you know crafting something new out of stuff that wasn't there before and you know doing the work is hard and people are lazy and that's the difference that's different kinds of imposter syndrome you know the difference between real imposters and not imposters is real imposters whatever their qualifications don't bother to do the work joel nope hello am i on Hi guys. Okay, so I'm gonna live up to my moniker here. Ben, I'm gonna nudge you so hard, bro. Just so bad. Okay, you're in my town. You gotta go skiing with me. Let's go get a beer. No ski, okay. Ski, then beer because you need the carbs, you know, replacement. But yeah. Yeah, okay, I, I mean, I don't have any skis or, or, or yeah. ski boots yeah. or anything. I, no worries. <laughs> Thank you, Kate, for letting me come on and just nudge the shit out of Ben. Mm. <laughs> I'm managing like a lot of microphones. I'm 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 good with that because it's Joel the nudge, you know. So it wouldn't be nudgy if he didn't nudge. Um. All right. That would be well, fun. it was a it, it was a tech uh, disaster of a cheese night, at least uh, from from uh, from Minnesota. And um, but Super Baby was extremely well behaved, right? Do you have anything to say? No. No. Okay. He's so, He's good. so good. He's very good. 
He's very cuddly. He's usually very playful too, but I think he's kind of mesmerized by the screen. I can like that. I can like that. Yeah. So um, and uh, so uh, a quick announcement for those of you who um, uh, listen to the podcast feed: I have not uploaded uh, Wednesday's episode yet because I have been on the road. And uh, I will not upload this episode on time either because I am on the road. And, and that will, those will both happen Sunday and Monday. Uh, and uh, and I'm not even apologizing for it. You have come so far in the not. I mean, sometimes you defiantly decide not to apologize, but sometimes you're like, well, "I'm really sorry, we're late." And I'm like, "I'm not sorry." <laughs> like, I'm exhausted. Like we've done this show for almost 600 days. Like this is, um, but yes, uh, I I am uh, I am excited to have the podcast feedback up. I, increasing numbers of people seem to listen to it. We can talk about that later, but um, I think that's great. Um, uh, we will be back uh, on Monday with Tim Miller for our 600th episode. It will be Ben and Scott. No super baby. No, Luke, unless GDF decides to show up. Um, I will be giving a paper presentation that will preclude me from being on the show that is in person, that it was supposed to be on Zoom, but now is in person. And so, um, and that is the way the world is going now. Instead of being on Zoom, they're making you suddenly show up at last minute notice to do things in person. Um, goodbye, super baby. Goodbye, emu shirt man. Say hi to Alan and, hi Hannah, to Alan and Hannah for us. We will do, and we will be back a bunch of hours and uh, 58 minutes from now. And until then, Super Baby. We don't have fun, we don't anymore. Have fun anymore. But, until, <laughs> but then, until then, we do the work. We do the work. <laughs> <laughs>